In October 2019, we learned of a special World Economic Forum exercise known as Event 201. The purpose? This was a war game to see how the world might respond to a coronavirus pandemic. Less than six months later, global governments were following the course laid out before them. We all know how that turned out. More recently, in fact, at the end of last year, Reuters reported on a new World Economic Forum exercise. This one had a different crisis. It wasn't about a pandemic. Rather, this one was based on one of the after effects that we're now experiencing. Call it long haul COVID symptoms. Most people have been so focused on the virus that they missed the trillions of dollars shoved into the economy. So what does the World Economic Forum predict will happen next? You got it a financial crisis. Join me in the Economic War Room where we will explain how the World Economic Forum and the Davos crowd are planning to use a financial crisis to usher in the Great Reset. Stay tuned to the end and you can learn how we can stop them. Seven years ago, I was hired by the state of Utah to do an economic risk analysis. My final report was published and presented in January 2016. It was 125 pages long with 323 footnoted citations and lots of charts and graphs. We'll add a link to it in the battle plan so you can read it for yourself. Over the past 14 years, I've written quite a few government reports, starting with the Pentagon Seminole Report on Economic Warfare and contributions to a Secretary of Defense Weapons of Mass Destruction study, a report on Iran as a threat, and so forth. What was so important about this Utah study comes down to two critical points. First, the U.S. federal government is on an unsustainable fiscal path. We can't print money fast enough to keep up with their spending. That's proven true, and my very dire warnings, they've turned out to actually understate the problem. The second point I made is that it will be up to the states and local governments to prepare to address the problem. That is absolutely proven true, even though most states have grown more, not less, dependent on the federal dole. Utah as a state is particularly at risk because so much of the state is owned by the federal government. When I presented this report, the official federal debt was a little over $18 trillion. That was January 2016. Federal debt is just past $30 trillion, and it's accelerating. What's worse, this debt has grown at a near-zero interest rate. That's changing even as we speak because interest rates are rising. Let's use an analogy. It's like our entire nation got a teaser credit card with no interest and we maxed it out. Then the promotional no interest period expires. Pretty soon we'll be making huge interest payments. With inflation now reported at 7.5%, we would expect interest rates above that. Otherwise, you lose money when you buy American bonds. Let's just say interest rates went to 5%, still below the 7.5%, but we would be paying $1.5 trillion per year in interest alone. What if interest rates went to 8%? The cost would be $2.4 trillion per year. And if interest rates went back to 10%, a level that's happened in my lifetime, when inflation was high, we would pay $3 trillion per year in just interest. 
Since we're already running a budget deficit, that means an extra $3 trillion of borrowing, raising the debt even further. It really gets insane very quickly. That's the sort of death spiral that destroyed Germany after World War I and gave rise to Hitler. That's the sort of economic death spiral that Venezuela, Argentina, and Zimbabwe have all gone through recently. To put in context, in the year 2020, the entire U.S. federal tax collections totaled just a little over $3 trillion. In other words, a 10% interest rate on our existing debt would require 100% of the income the federal government takes in every year just to pay interest by itself, not counting spending on welfare, social security, roads, bridges, government salaries, all those programs and everything else the government pays for. So what's going to happen? I outlined four possible impacts in my report. First, we will have another fiscal financial crisis. That's inevitable. Our history teaches that we have one every decade or two anyway. This time, though, the debt is so high that we will face one sooner rather than later, and it will be a serious crisis. Second, I suggested that the impact could require a serious reduction in federal spending. That would be the responsible approach. Responsible does not mean painless, though. Lower spending and higher interest rates will challenge our economy in major ways. Third, we might see a substantial increase in taxation. The government will continue to pay for things but charge you extra for it. Taxes would have to more than double from current levels just to make up for the increased interest. The fourth impact I listed included out-of-the-box ideas and circumstance-altering threats. This is a big one because there may be opportunities to alter course, but there are also serious threats that we will have to look out for. One of those is a massive cyber attack that would freeze the financial system. We're clearly vulnerable to a cyber attack. In fact, I've been talking about this for years and early on mentioned a cyber Pearl Harbor in a private report to then Secretary of Defense Leon Panetta. I knew his neighbor who handed my research to him through the fence at his ranch. Google it. Look up Leon Panetta and Cyber, Cyber Pearl Harbor and you'll see that my message did get through. Here's a 2012 article in New York Times about the first time he used the term. He says, Panetta warns of dire threat of cyber attack on U.S. That's October 2012. Defense Secretary Panetta warned Thursday that the United States was facing the possibility of a Cyber Pearl Harbor. Look it. Read it. It's right there. Why is it important? Two reasons. First, a financial crisis is inevitable and it will invite cyber attacks. My first book on economic warfare, which made the New York Times bestseller list, was titled Secret Weapon, How Financial Terrorism Took Down the U.S. Stock Market and Why It Could Happen Again. The whole story is about how foreign actors took advantage when we were vulnerable during a financial crisis in 2008. A good hunter knows that you wait for the prey to be in your sights before you start shooting. The coming financial crisis will clearly make us an easy target. The second point is equally important. When a serious crisis comes, domestic enemies are ready to use it to usher in their agenda. Remember, it was Obama's chief of staff, Rahm Emanuel, who said, never let a serious crisis go to waste. Anyone who watched the government force us into lockdowns, masks, and mandates knows that a crisis is the opportunity for a power grab. That means that we'll be facing more than one enemy during the fin financial crisis. This isn't new. We face the CCP coronavirus and also power-hungry politicians in the pandemic. This time, we will likely face three, the financial crisis, a foreign cyber attack, and the power-hungry elitists who want to control you and everyone else. 
It's the third enemy that's the most dangerous. This is the plan for the next phase of the Great Reset. It will be for all the marbles. It's how we get from where we are and where the World Economic Forum says in 10 years you'll own nothing and like it and how America will no longer be a superpower, just one nation among many. We need to take a break. When we come back, we'll dive more into the implications of a financial crisis and what you can do to prepare for it. We're going to face a financial crisis. Our debt makes it inevitable, and when it happens, it will seem obvious at the time, even though everyone ignores it now. We're already seeing the narrative start to form. For example, The Economist magazine on February 12th published a cover story titled, When the Right Ends, What Would Happen If the Financial Markets Crashed? Basically, they're telegraphing what comes next. They always do, by the way. It's sort of like James Bond villains who feel compelled to explain their diabolical plot before they execute it. The good news is that their plot provides us a roadmap to protect our families and maybe even save the day. Everything we're talking about is economic warfare, plain and simple. And our strategy, it's also pretty simple. First, in an economic war, the weapon is money, and we will see some crazy things happen with money. Take a look at the Zimbabwe $100 note from the year 2008. It had no real value, about $20 US. 10 years later, they were printing $100 trillion notes that weren't worth pennies. Now, I'm not saying that's gonna happen here. We're a long way from Zimbabwe, at least at this point. But I do want you to know that strange things happen in a financial crisis. For example, did you ever expect that a virus would cause a near total worldwide shutdown or that city managers could lock you in your home? To be prepared, you'll need a game plan. In fact, that's the title of my second book on economic warfare, Game Plan, How to Protect Yourself from the Coming Cyber Economic Attack. We published this in 2014. A lot's happened since then, but I can tell you that I still believe the book is spot on in its advice. We'll summarize some of that in our battle plan for this episode. Let me read a few chapter titles. We've got A World of Risk, This Time is Different, Making It Personal, What to Do When Crisis Strikes, The Gold Rush, What About Stocks, What's a Bond Bubble, Beyond the Dollar, Why Money in the Mattress is a Bad Idea, Guaranteed Investments, Hedge Funds and Other Out-of-the-Box Investments, A Sane Strategy for an Insane World, There is hope, plus an appendix titled, Protecting Your Family. I read through it again while preparing for this episode. It's a good book, and it's more applicable today than when I published it eight years ago. To give you an example of how accurate the book has been, let me share a few thoughts. In chapter one, starting on page 16, there's a section titled, What Comes Next? There's seven pages warning about a disruptive cyber attack on our financial system and who who could be doing it. This is the very threat that the World Economic Forum is suggesting will happen soon. I was a part of several legitimate war games on this subject, and I can tell you the answer is not a great reset government takeover of the economy, but I fear that's what will be attempted. Now, chapter two starts with the inflation threat. On page 26, it speaks of reckless money printing and debt hell. It even discusses the possible end of the dollar as reserve currency. I wrote this over eight years ago, and it's playing out in the headlines right now. None of this should come as a shock. Unfortunately, our government has has done the opposite of preparing us. They've actually made us more vulnerable, and the pandemic has made things even worse. One more thing. When Game Plan was first published, 
the number one objection to the entire book was that people could not believe that China was an enemy. Now I'm going to read to you, let me read from page 46. A common objection to my warning is that the Chinese are so connected to our economy that they would never harm us. The idea that the Chinese would never harm us is ridiculous on its face. There are Chinese who continually hack our systems and who manipulate and undermine our markets. But don't the Chinese hold much in dollar debt? They couldn't afford to see the dollar go down. China's military doesn't care and has a much larger view of things than the next quarter's export sales. The smug response of those who believe China needs us so much that it remains our friend is another example of American arrogance. It may seem hard to believe, but when I went on a roadshow with game plan, people regularly challenged me over China. They would not. They could not. They, China could never be our adversary. Even when we started warning about Chinese control of our pharmaceuticals industry with Rosemary Gibson in episode six of this program, for example, there was pushback. We warned of Chinese bioweapons several years ago, but nobody seemed to notice. So what are people not noticing now? In our recent episode with Glenn Beck, we discussed modern monetary theory as the government's response to just about everything. It's the sort of thing that people who win the lottery do. They spend money like crazy. The elitists are now in power, so they're on a spending spree. The big problem is that it's our money that they're spending. I think it's all part of the plan. That's how you get to the prediction that in a decade you will own nothing and be happy. The government and big corporations will own everything and take care of you in a nanny state sort of way. They'll pay for it with modern monetary theory, or MMT for short. MMT basically says that if you own a printing press, you can print as much money as you want. That's true until people stop taking your monopoly money. With $30 trillion of debt and counting, that's a lot of paper money. The debt will hit $50 trillion before this decade is out. That's shocking and will result in a great deal of pain and tears. But as we discussed with Glenn Beck, it will open the door for even greater government control. Instead of paper money, the government will create a digital dollar. That way you don't have to print anything. We explained the dangers of digital dollar in our episode on programmable money. Imagine if the government can control everything you buy or sell, they can decide where, how, and if you're allowed to use your money. If there's too much inflation, they'll just use their algorithms to control your spending. They can reward what they see as good behavior and punish bad. If your cholesterol seems too high, you might not be allowed to buy a cheeseburger. Or if there's a lockdown, you might not be allowed to spend money more than a couple of miles from your home. It's a, if, it's a digital lockdown and it's a tracking mechanism. Think I'm exaggerating? Get a copy of Game Plan and read it. Many people thought I was exaggerating years ago, but they've seen it all happen. The next step into crazy world is realizing that your thoughts and your speech will be subject to the same draconian controls as, as they're doing on your money. You already know that people were punished and deplatformed for saying the wrong thing about where COVID came from, whether or not ivermectin works, or if the vaccine has side effects. Even discussing natural immunity could get you into trouble. Even though the truth eventually came out, have you seen any remorse? Have you seen anyone apologize to the people who shared what we now know to be true, but were totally deplatformed? No, the beast of censorship is on the loose. We've had videos taken down and have been demonetized despite accurate reporting in a truthful way. And this is the problem. In a financial crisis, the government will want to control information like never before. 
What if you knew a bank was failing? If you told somebody you might be charged with causing a run on the bank, you would not be allowed to buy or sell because you were peddling misinformation. What if you warned that debt levels were too high in the government or even with a favored company? We're facing a financial crisis. Those in government have the philosophy of never letting a serious crisis go to waste. But instead of dealing with the crisis, using the strategies we've laid out, it seems likely the government will use the serious crisis to usher in the great reset and total economic control. We must stop them. After the break, we'll tell you how. The weapons of their warfare are things we warn about all the time in the economic war room. ESG, climate agenda, Green New Deal, modern monetary theory, control of currency, programmable money, financial crisis, cyber attacks. That's how they intend to usher in Act Two of the Great Reset. The good news is that you are not helpless. Did you see the Canadian trucker convoy? They stood up and banded together. Do you remember the small ships of Dunkirk? They were part of a miracle that saved the world from Adolf Hitler. What we need is a game plan for our side. I wrote the book on this eight years ago, and it's still applicable. Of course, the threats widen, so we have to add to our response. But the principles still apply. Let's start with at the personal level. How do you protect your money? First thing I recommend, and I cannot say this enough, is that you get a good financial advisor to walk through the minefield ahead. I've said this from the beginning. In fact, let me quote from page 217 of the book, Game Plan. Second, make a diligent search for a trained investment professional who understands how to develop proper strategy. Unfortunately, few investment pros have gone beyond traditional financial training to study the kind of risks we now face. That's why my colleagues and I established the National Security Investment Consultant Institute. The NSIC Institute trains investment professionals to recognize economic warfare threats and prepare strategies to combat the problem. Clients interested in protecting their investments as well as finding new ways to promote America's national security interests through their investments will gravitate toward advisors who have earned the NSIC credential. We started with small in-person classes at Oklahoma Wesleyan and Hillsdale College. It quickly became obvious that they would have to either go big or go home. So we launched the Economic War Room show to provide direct information to the public, and we partnered with Liberty University to provide online training that could accommodate much larger classes and move much more quickly. What we found is a large and growing number of clients wanting help. And as we predicted, the China threat before most people saw it, we also predicted ESG investing and woke capitalism well ahead of the curve. Now clients are clearly ready for NSIC help. The good news is that we're launching now. If you're a client, nominate your current financial advisors so they can join our inaugural online class. If your advisor refuses, let us know. There are plenty of advisors who would love your business. And if you're an advisor, sign up now. Whether client or advisor, go to economicwarroom.com forward slash advisor. What we will be doing with our training is walking through all the threats with briefings from the many experts who join us regularly in the economic war room. We have China experts, financial experts, money managers, experts on ESG, and our alternative, LSV, experts on alternative assets such as farmland, art, gold, and cryptocurrencies. We do not provide client-specific advice. That's what advisors are for. But we do provide training, education, and information on the threats and how to combat them. The goal is to help you weaponize your money, your spending, giving, and investing, and for all of us to push back before it's too late. Speaking of pushback, we have to stand up now against tyranny. Stand for personal liberty. 
Find local relationships you can trust. Use a local financial advisor. Find a local banker. Work at the state level. We've talked about our digital Texan plan. Imagine if you could have your checking account backed by gold and you could spend it as easily as with a debit card. What if we had extraordinary digital security and it was backed by the blockchain? What if the state made it legal tender and stood behind it? What if your state protected your privacy by contract, agreed not to monkey with your money? What if that meant you could own gold without, with the ultimate convenience and yet you pay a fraction of an ounce with someone you could trust keeping track of it? What if the gold you held wasn't taxable, even if it went up in value compared to paper dollars? Do you think people would want that, or would they prefer paper money? Just so you know, this is all constitutional. We outlined it in Game Plan and on our show about programmable money, and we're holding some private summits on it as well. Think of these as conservative versions of Davos and our plan for a positive Great Reset. This is just one of the many solutions developed in the economic war room. We're going to dedicate an entire show to just solutions in an upcoming episode because we know a serious crisis is coming. We know the other side has evil plans for their enrichment and our loss of liberty. That's why we've crafted our own plans. We shouldn't let a serious crisis go to waste. 2008, I offered the Pentagon some solutions for the economic crisis. They were ignored. The answer? We're talking to the people now. We the people are supposed to be the government's boss. It's time we acted that way. Let's start with our constitutional rights of freedom of speech. Let's continue with states' rights under the Constitution. States can push back on the monetary craziness. They can derail the ESG Great Reset Agenda. They can solve the border problem. Yes, let me repeat, states can solve the border problem. And we have a solution for that hatched in the economic war room. We believe that the local financial advisor, trained by the NSIC, can be a huge part of the solution. We've identified 10,000 advisors to train. That will represent $1 trillion of capital. That's enough money to make an enormous difference. If Twitter cancels you, we can spring up an alternative that's better with free speech. That makes it non-cancelable. We'll have alternative cloud hosting, alternative emails, alternative banks. It's a big vision, but it's not impossible. $1 trillion can cover it. When Americans see an alternative, they'll run to it. We need to bathe all of this in prayer. The Bible says that you should not say, I will enter such and such a city, do business there, and make a profit. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, I will do this. The Bible teaches us to submit our plans to the Lord, and He will bring them to pass. But he does it his way. We just need to remain willing, listening to his voice, ready to obey. That's our commitment. That's the purpose of the economic war room. We have a big vision, and we're looking for those who are willing to help. By the way, one of our readers of my books was none other than Donald J. Trump. And whether he knew it or not, a lot of his Make America Great Again vision matched with game plan. And I wrote about this in 2014. In fact, I published an eight-step plan that might sound familiar. 
Uh, the steps included in the book are recognize the global war underway, and that meant recognizing China as an adversary, take reasonable precautions, and that meant cyber protection, develop the digital Texan backed by gold, uh, get money moving without money printing. Uh, I guess we've blown that one so far, but we can get back to fiscal discipline. Uh, number four was achieve energy independence, and we did that under Trump, but Biden threw it away. Uh, step five, reduce regulation. Again, Trump did it. Uh, Biden's trying to reverse course. Step six, a workable tax code. Yeah, Trump did that. Uh, we streamlined uh, deductions and we made our, our uh, corporate taxes competitive. That was good. Step seven, teach what America is all about. That's the opposite of the 1619 project. That's the opposite of Howard Zinn and critical race theory. America isn't perfect, but America is good and can be better if we follow the Constitution. We need to tell our children the truth. And step eight was return to our spiritual roots. We need this now more than ever. Second Chronicles 714, let's repent. Let's seek his face. Let's ask God to heal our land. The days ahead can be thrilling and rewarding. That's the challenge. Let's win. Everything we've talked about is summarized in this week's economic battle plan. It's free, including all the links to where you can get game plan and see all the documentation that backs it up. Plus, you'll get our action plan to take back our community, our nation, and our world. Get your free copy at economicwarroom.com. Remember, what we see as a marketplace, our enemies view as a battle space. This is Kevin Freeman from the Economic War Room. 